Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the CX Cast. I'm your host, Angelina Jenis. Today, I'm joined by Martin Gill. He is a research director here at Forrester. Hi, Martin. Thanks for joining. Hi, thank you for having me. Of course. And I know for a fact that your team is based in Europe and covers customer experience, but I understand your team actually wears a lot of hats. Can you describe the research that your team covers? Yeah, sure. So CX is absolutely the core of what we do. Because in Europe, we have less people and we have slightly more consolidated teams than we have in the US. We cover essentially everything B2C other than financial services. So we cover like CMO topics, brand, broader marketing, sustainability is big for us at the moment, digital strategy, and then also privacy and security. And very deliberately, we wanted to bring privacy and CX together. And that's giving us some great research this year in terms of looking at the privacy implications of your CX measurement program, for instance. What data are you storing about customers that maybe you shouldn't? Got it. And you contribute to our global research as a team, but you also obviously have perspectives on CX in Europe, and that's what we wanted to talk about today. I think folks globally in the US and in Europe all would be interested in knowing, is CX different? in Europe. Do we need to think about different customer experiences, delivering them, managing differently? What's your take on that? It is and it isn't, right? So I think we've kind of come on to talk about this in a bit, but so the basics are the same in terms of like the tools, the techniques, the way in which we encourage firms to think about the discipline of CX and becoming better at CX, but how customers behave is absolutely different. Right. So if we start with where firms are to start with, I mean, the biggest key difference in firms is that I think US firms are ahead of European firms when it comes to investment in CX. If we share a data point that we found going into CX EMEA that we ran last month, 44% of leaders in the US and 38% in APAC say that improving CX is a high or critical priority. In Europe, it's 29%. So firms are not investing as much in CX. And where they do, there's a very clear focus on digital. That's probably like universally true everywhere in the world because the pandemic's driven us to digital touch points. The thing that's most interestingly different in Europe is European firms really over-index in investing in hybrid CX, omni-channel or physical through the digital experiences. It's about 27% of CX leaders in Europe say they're investing in that kind of hybrid experience compared to about 17% in the US. So there's a big difference there in terms of where their thought process is and what they're trying to enable for their customers. Got it. It sounds like, and actually you and I have written a report on establishing a CX function. There's a management element that would be the same here, but the consumer preferences are where it differs. So a lot of the same rules that we hear about in the CX cast around how to manage CX still apply in Europe. Yeah, they do. And I think I would apply subtlety of Europe's not Europe when you start breaking it down into how people behave. So there are some universal truths about people, but when you get into the cultures, partly from a a cultural point of view in different countries, people behave differently, but also legislatively, things are different in different countries. So for instance, some payment methods are available in one country and then are not available in another country. I suppose GDPR has kind of leveled the data rules across Europe to a large extent, but the behaviors in terms of how people want to interact with brands, like what they find important or what they're looking for from brands, whether it's online or offline, that does tend to vary. You can't treat Europe as Europe. You've got to treat each country individually. And then broadly, there are not many pan-European banks in that they there are some but a lot of the banks are like regional a lot of insurance companies are regional down to one country or maybe just southern europe 
So you don't necessarily have this massive single market. And a lot of the retailers that operate across all of those countries, so like take a H&M, for instance, it's got kind of stores in pretty much every European country. They often have very local operation. Their online sales might be quite different in one country to the next country. The feel of their store is going to be different depending on the country. Brands can look the same, but can actually be operationalized quite differently on the ground. So that brings a level of complexity that you're managing different legislation, different customer expectations, different languages, different currencies, etc. across relatively small individual markets. Grouped as a whole is big, but each one is potentially quite small. Got it. Why don't we see the same numbers in terms of investment interest, I should say, in CX in Europe than in other parts of the world? That's a million dollar question, isn't it? Um, or million euro question, if you want to <laughs> localize. We genuinely don't know. I think it's changing, I guess, is where I'd go with it. There is an acceleration. And I think the pandemic has done a lot to really focus brands in on the need to serve their customers better. And they need to really think differently about both how you serve your customers and how you kind of deliver your customers, but also the need to be more agile and faster and reactive to what's happening in the market. So I think it's elevated that CX conversation very much. And I, I would be very surprised if we don't see a continued acceleration of CX as a role and a key discipline in European organization. Got it. Even if the preferences are different, the drive to care more about managing CX, delivering great CX, we're all reacting in the same ways during the pandemic, realizing that there is something important here, some sort of human element. Do you see what the human element behind all of this is? Yeah, I mean, that's where I was getting at with like, there are some universal truths, some things are the same. So the tools and techniques are the same, but also people are the same, ultimately. Mm -hmm. I know I know there is a great variety in cultural differences, but we look across, I'll talk about Europe you know, in, in isolation at the moment. So We've run CX Index across Europe for a number of years now, and we're getting increasingly more systematic about the countries and the industries and trending the data much better than we have done in the past. The thing we've seen over and over for the last few years is, this is probably universally true everywhere, but certainly with the European companies, we over-equate emotional engagement. So, so let's take a step back. Everyone listening to this has probably listened to a bunch of these podcasts before. We're going to hope that they get easy, effective, and emotional are like the cornerstones of CX. And we know that emotion has the highest correlation with driving loyalty. Those loyalty behaviors we're looking for around advocacy, retention, et cetera, are really driven by those emotional peaks and troughs of the experience. Now, we've over-equated emotion with joy and delight. And there are some industries where that joy is absolutely important, but joy is very fleeting. Mm -hmm. And what we found from the European data is these, we're still trying to find a word, I'm, I'm calling them like grounded or earthy emotions of confident, understood, respected and valued are the emotions that most correlate with loyalty. So feeling confident, feeling that the brand understands you, feeling that the brand respects you as an individual, it's like treating you well and is valuing your ongoing loyalty. Those are the things across all the industries we survey in Europe, across all of the countries actually make a difference and there are some subtleties within the countries but generally we see this confidence thing and this valued thing being the key things that attract people to brands because they're confident the brand's going to give them what they want and keep them with the brand as loyal customers 
Yeah, that resonates. When I used to design digital experiences, we'd have experience principles and they were always know me, guide me, you know, exactly what you're saying. So understand what I need, help me get where I need, help me feel confident. Mm -hmm. Always those same principles as the backbone of having a good end-to-end experience for the customer. And what we're finding out, so the end-to-end is a really killer phrase in this conversation, because what we're finding is confidence in particular drops dramatically throughout the life cycle. We did a study over the summer where we looked at four different product categories, buying a streaming service, buying home furnishings, buying groceries, and buying clothing. So we tried to get very different kind of categories. Some were like high consideration, high purchase value, things like groceries are very much like low consideration, very tra- very transactional purchases. So we looked at the drivers behind behind all of those purchases. And we've done this kind of analysis before, but we tend to just ask like, what's important about the overall journey? So we learn stuff like, you know, US consumers care more about privacy than European consumers do. European consumers care way more about the environment than maybe other consumers do. So there's some kind of global differences. We started to get more granular about asking about the stages of the life cycle. When do you care about the environment? When do you care about privacy? We found some interesting facts out around, for, I'm going off topic, but I'll come back to your question. <laughs> we you know, found some interesting stuff around the environment matters to consumers in the clothing journey at the consideration of can the garment be recycled and at the point of delivery for packaging. Like, is the packaging recyclable? So there are some key points that we can mark out as like, that's when you should act rather than just generically people want a greener product. It matters when they're researching. It matters when it turns up at their door and they look at it and go like, why is it covered in plastic? I bought a sustainable dress and it's like wrapped in plastic. So we're trying to get a bit more actionable about that. And we're trying to understand what are the emotions associated with those purchases? So like, it's, it's not good enough just to say we care about privacy or we care about the environment. What we're trying to do is link it back to those loyalty drivers about what emotion are you driving in the consumer? Are you sparking or inspiring in the consumer? at that point in the journey to give them a better experience that will then keep them with you. So if I go back to confidence, we see confidence like peaks at the start of most of these journeys for those product categories at about 30% of customers say they're confident during research that buying the right streaming service or the garment they're buying is the one they want. And it drops to like less than 15% down to about 11% for some categories at the point of use and service. So you see this kind of sharp hockey graph of, hey, I'm super confident, then I buy it, okay, and then I get the product, like, oh. And it's that point where that's what's going to drive the customer coming back to you once they've got the product, not when they were doing the research. So that's the challenge I think we put to like CX leaders, and it's very apparent in the European data, about you can't just think about, CX is not brand, CX is not marketing, CX is the use of the product, the entire life cycle of the product. And we still see this kind of slant towards we've got a shiny website and you can buy the products rather than what does the product mean to the consumer long term. And I was going to ask you where you see CX professionals falling short. It sounds like they aren't looking at the big picture. How else are they falling short? Well, I think everything I've kind of talked about. There's no rocket science in it. There is a little bit because some of this is really complicated. Like when you get into like real-time journey management and orchestration, it actually does get pretty damn complicated. At the basic level, if I go back to the data we talked about at the very start, about like you know, firms are just under-investing and under-valuing CX, there's just some basic tools that you either need to learn and apply or get more rigorous and systematic about applying. So things like persona development, journey mapping, those tools that we've known about for what, 10 years and more now, and we've been championing and, and you know people have been learning to implement. 
we don't see them implemented in that systemic way across that entire customer lifecycle. So we might see like lots of shiny UX design to make a really great website, but then not really thinking about the delivery process or not really thinking about the returns process. Those I'm, I'm thinking very retail here, though, you know, those are the kind of things that break that customer experience. So if I give you an example, for instance, a few years ago, this is a few years ago, but tells the kind of challenge we see in brands. So I went to a big European CPG company that makes a lot of confectionery. And uh, we were doing a workshop on digital experience and digital strategy. And I asked them in the room, we're in one of their conference rooms at their offices. And I asked them, okay, so you do, do you guys have uh, personas and customer journeys? Everyone shakes their head. Like, okay, well, maybe you should develop them because they'd be a really core part of you building this digital experience and thinking about the role of apps. And that, you know, that's the kind of thing we're talking about back then. So we paused for lunch and I went out the room and kind of went to have a bathroom break, walk, walked down the corridor and all the way down the corridor were posters of their personas and journey maps on the wall. <laughs> so I sat there and stared at them, took a photo with my phone, went back in and said, hey guys, have any of you seen what's on the wall? And I universally got blank expressions from all the people there. So these things had been there for ages apparently and just no one looked at them. No one did anything with them. So the, the CX team had invested a ton of money with an agency to design beautiful pictures that were literally just posters on the wall. So it's that executional element, I think. That's a apocryphal story about how not to do things but it's that executional aspect about you can't just like do one stage you've you've got to build the discipline of driving out results and driving out outcomes yeah i mean and that's the hard part honestly the making of the pictures can be the easier part in this and getting everyone to coordinate and take action on that is the business challenge <laughs> Yeah, and I guess the, the making the pictures is the fun part. And it's the bit where you can hire in a creative agency to make them all pretty and make them into cartoons and things like that. But yeah, you're right. The, the grind of executing that. So again, go back to these complex organizations, like a CPG firm with a hundred different brands in terms of what the consumer sees, where the brand is different in Italy to different in Spain. Same product, but it's brand differently. Like if I look at some of the, like I've got a bunch of cats, for instance. So like cat food brands, they're all the same thing. Or not all the same thing like felix is felix underneath or whiskers is whiskers but they're branded differently in different countries so the experience that a spanish customer is going to have from a brand and a cx point of view is different for the same product as what we're getting in the uk is different to germany so as a cx pro you're trying to manage customer segments you're trying to manage products brands markets regions you know, and then overlay different payment me methods different retail partners different ways of getting the product to market Maybe your customers buy pet food online in the UK, whereas they buy it in person in Italy. So all of these subtleties, you're sitting at the center, you've got to understand all of this, then you've got to action it differently in each country. I think that's where it's not necessarily that firms are underinvesting here. It's just that the level of complexity for a pan-European business is actually pretty high. This sounds like a good excuse to have Joanna come back on and talk about journey orchestration. Yeah, and I think that's where it's so interesting going back to the digital examples. The firms that are leading across Europe are generally more digital and more pure play. So if we look at like ASOS or Zalando in the clothing like fashion space or Monzo or First Direct in the banking space, those are the guys that are kind of peaking out at the top of our CX index. And those are generally simpler. I don't want to do them down because some of these businesses are complex, but largely a, a bank that serves a single market is much simpler than 
a CPG that has a thousand brands globally in you know hundred different markets. So I think those relatively simple direct businesses can accelerate CX. The challenge that gives everybody else is they're getting good at it. So everybody else has got to catch up. It's like, why aren't you as good as Monzo? Or why aren't you as good as Zalando? So the U.S. stereotype of Europe <laughs> is that, you know, they have way more tradition than us. They're not as flighty with their wallets. They maybe stick with brands a little bit better. Is that not the case with good CX? They're willing to leave. I don't mean, I would say that's... We've we've done research before about like the impact of improving CX depending on the pro, the market you're in or the the sector or industry you're in, and I think a lot of the rules that we've seen in the US hold true. The higher the switching costs and the lower the differentiation of the product, that drives certain behaviours. So you know, switching your current account is people just don't do it very much because it's hard and there's very little differentiation in a current or checking account, whereas you know, switching the brand of pet food you buy. Maybe the cat doesn't like that food, so I'll buy a different food. But actually, it's really easy to switch. Those kind of same behaviors exist, absolutely. Got it. And I mean, it's clear that your team covers a lot of different things under this umbrella. So can you give us an idea of what's coming up for your team's research agenda? Yeah, so we are heading towards CXMEA. So we literally come off the back of CXMEA this year, last last month, and we're heading towards it being earlier in the year next year. So we're already starting to ramp up towards that. We've got a series of digital experience reviews and like UX research that we're kicking off early next year. Our CX index will come out tail end of next year. So we, we run that later in the year than the US. So we've like literally just last month published all the European data. What we're going to concentrate on the first half of the year and for the rest of this year as well is really, I mentioned about sustainability and privacy and those kind of topics. We want to dig deep into those and really get into like the emotion behind those experiences. Sustainability is good, good timing because we're recording this when COP26 has kicked so what we're trying to do is get a lot more granular and a lot more action about the connection between like customers say we want to buy green, but they then don't act on that. Why, for instance, you know, their customers intent, customers actual activity and the outcome kind of drive don't match. So what's in the way? And then what are the emotions associated with that? Are customers acting because they feel guilty? Are they acting because they're proud of being associated with a sustainable brand and how can we drive that into something actionable and then the same with privacy like where does privacy matter where's the emotional connection around privacy and then we're looking at measurements as well so measurement fundamentally links into all of those topics about how you if you can understand emotions how do you measure it and how do you measure that impact i love these topics because they're relevant for our professional work but also on personal levels we get why it's important yeah <laughs> that's great yeah exactly and i, I think it's for me it's always that's why I default to retail a lot of examples. I mean, partly that's a big chunk of my professional background is in retail, mm -hmm. but everybody shops. So it's really easy to talk about it as an example about, you know, the difference between buying online, buying offline, buying pet food versus, you know, buying a thousand pound Gucci jacket or something. People kind of fundamentally get the differences because everybody shops. Yeah, totally. Well, Martin, thanks so much for joining us. It was really cool to hear perspectives on Europe and also just global trends in general and CX management. You are welcome. Thank you for having me. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm sure they did. Thanks everyone for joining the CX cast. Until next time, bye for now.